All right, I'm successfully recording. This is me recording. Oh, wow, you look great. Oh, weird. What the f*** is going on down there? Hello everyone, welcome to WTFTFW. I'm Vangelis, and back fresh from the Vegas sun is Seth Buzzard. Hi, it wasn't very hot there. The hot Vegas desert strip. It was like low 70s. Scorpions and snails everywhere. That's one way to describe the other people. (laughs) I got sick there. Because I'm sure I touched, like, the, the button on a slot machine some disease-riddled scumbag had just used at whoa, some point. Whoa, what stays in Vegas? No, wait, what? Follows you on the 10-hour drive home. This cotton Vegas is supposed to stay in Vegas. Did you, uh, did you, <clears throat> did you gamble at all? Uh, not as much as I budgeted for, which is probably good. Oh, um, yeah. I was really looking forward to playing <clears throat> craps, because I haven't played craps since the last time I was in Vegas, which was, like... 97 98 maybe yeah and uh i had a really good time then (laughs) this time was brutal um i don't think anybody rolled more than three rolls before crapping out and i like turned to the guy next to me at the table i'm like so has it always been this brutal or did it just start when i got here and the guy's like no this this has been real bad (laughs) (laughs) Um, but like did that did a handful of slot machines did a little bit of video poker and that was about it we were like way too busy most of the time yeah I've I've never found uh, <clears throat> the, the idle like the two times I was in Vegas I never found the idle time that would lead one to stand in front of a slot machine for hours because it's like there are musicals to see there are other hotels to check out and their architecture and their sites yeah. There's a Best Buy off in the distance. Like, there's all kinds of... There's the Neon Light Graveyard. There's a Guy Fieri restaurant. That, too. Which we ended up at the first night. Was uh, Guy Fieri there? No. There's lots of pictures of him, though. Nobody cares. Yeah. I got poutine there. Why? Because I thought I might offend some of my (laughs) Canadian friends if I ordered (laughs) the poutine. I got me some poutine in Las Vegas where it's good. It had <laughs> slices of steak on it. Okay. And was the most expensive thing anybody in our group ordered that night. <laughs> was it good, at least? It was okay. The steak was okay. Um, the So they didn't use <clears throat> cheese curds? What? It was like slices of, or like chunks of cheddar. Well, then it's not poutine. I mean, it's... A- and it could have used more gravy. It's a what? Okay, it's a real basic thing. Poutine is literally the act of melting cheese curds over fries by pouring gravy over everything. Like that is what is poutine. When you start substituting the cheese curds and you don't put much gravy in, it's topped fries. Like it's not even a thing of opinion. It's just that's the facts. That's how it works. That's like saying I'm making a peanut butter sandwich and then you're like toasting a kaiser loaf and eating it while dipping chunks in the peanut butter that's a different thing if you hear a bunch of clicking i'm furiously trying to find the picture i tweeted of it 
I'm not, I'm not even that particular about poutine, but like once the cheese curds are gone, it's like, that's a, that's like removing a fundamental ingredient. Yeah. And hopefully um, people will forgive if I do some coughing. I'm uh, going to yeah. try to not cough too much directly <clears throat> into the microphone. I still got um, this dumb dry throat going on myself. So uh, everyone can catch whatever it is that can transmit audially uh, through this podcast. Well, we went to the Pinball Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. That was another thing we did there. And there's a pinball museum uh, in Alameda, which isn't too far from here. And I like that place. I like that place better. I like the Alameda place better. Hmm. Uh, the Alameda place seemed way more organized. Like this was just a like a big room full of uh, um, machines that are were in no particular order. Where in Alameda, they're all laid out chronologically. Yeah, yeah. Which is a neat thing to do. And also, in Alameda, you just play, pay an entry fee. It's like 15 bucks to get in, and then all the games are set to free play. Where the place in Vegas, you had to pay for every every game. I'm, you sent, so Seth has sent me a picture of the poutine, and I'm kind of glaring at it. Because that's just a... There's no gravy. There's like that looks more like steak drippings than gravy. And the gravy's under the cheese. It's like yep. it's like everything you could get wrong is being gotten wrong short of the fries being shoestring. <laughs> the steak wasn't bad. <laughs> but <it's, laughs> that's it's like here's a nice steak on a bed of stuff. It's not a poutine. It's also Guy Fieri's restaurant. Fieri's restaurant. <laughs> Fear, fear, fear ready. Yeah. So like, uh, my girlfriend got a hamburger that had macaroni and cheese on it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like Guy Fieri crap. So so she got, she got a Guy Fieri poutine hamburger then. No, craft dinner hamburger. That's like poutine. It's cheese. Yeah. It's macaroni. And then the macaroni is like the fries. So yeah. Put the cheese on top of the gravy. Well, otherwise, you don't see it. Oh, man. (coughs) So other things we did. Um, We went to a tiki bar that wasn't very far away. That was fun. Mm -hmm. Uh, The table we sat at had a velvet uh, painting of a pirate with his pants down. All right. Kind of coyly looking back at you over his shoulder, holding a knife by his nude butt. As you do. I tweeted a vine about that. <laughs> I was I was checking out a bunch of your vines one night. I think I was just on my phone needing a, a deluge of vine material. Pretty good. I try. I'm not a I'm no that one guy that is super famous on Vine or anything, but well, it still is a neat neat way to share the experience. Yeah. And um, so we saw the Beatles love Cirque du Soleil show. Mm-hmm. That was really good. I was impressed. I had never seen a Cirque du Soleil show before. And my understanding is that this is less gymnastics and weird French-Canadian nonsense and more dancing, which, you know, I saw. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, it was a fun show. 
And Ooh. we also saw Garfunkel and Oates performing live. And that was really good. They're funny. Funny ladies. Yeah, if you I mean, if you ever go to Vegas, you have to take in some shows. Otherwise, it's like, in my opinion, not really worth it. Like that's yeah. that's to me the draw rather than the gambling. It's just the sheer amount of uh on stage talent that's available to peruse. Also, don't buy your tickets in advance unless it's like some brand new show where there might actually be a chance of it selling out. But any show that's like established and been around for a few years, like say Beatles Love or Penn and Teller or Blue Man Group or what have you, um, you can buy tickets day of at like these discount booths that are scattered around the town. Um, There was one like right outside of our hotel. We stayed at Harrah's. Um, and you get uh, tickets way, way, way cheaper. And so when we went to get the tickets for Beatles Love, we went to one of those booths. And the guy was like, ah, you know, we got them for like $50 off. But if you go to the hotel box office, it's buy one, get one for $15. <laughs> and then they didn't. Like they had sold, there were so many empty seats for the show that we got. We got upgraded to more expensive seats. It's like closer to the stage. Yeah. Like we were going to be up in the balcony originally. Yeah. Yeah. And I, then we got moved down to like re- some actually really amazing seats. I bet you that's, that's also in part for the sake of the performers. Yeah. So they have like faces filling out their most, you know, the most visible part. And they can just yeah, dim they, the lights up there. Yeah, they they brought down everybody that had balcony seats. Yeah, they just they just closed the balcony because it would, it would murder the performers' energy if they like come out and like the the lit seats in front of them are just like barren. Yeah, and you know it worked out pretty good for us because one we got a good deal on the seats that we paid for, and then we got even better seats. Nice. So yeah, it was fun, and now I think we're talking about going to Reno. <laughs> Because it's only a three-hour drive instead of a 10-hour drive. And uh, the hotel is a lot cheaper. Hotels are a lot cheaper in Reno. (laughs) They're not as good for shows, though. So, Oh, yeah, Las Vegas is the... That's the strip. That's where everything's... That's where all the business is happening. Um, Speaking of business, let's get down to it. Down to biz. Hard headlines, hard-hitting news... Uh, except that, Seth, you haven't actually watched the show, so it's not super hard-hitting. But no, uh, Transformers Robots in Disguise, which started last year, uh, it's uh, not... I don't know if it's really been confirmed. It's just it's very easy to put together that Season 2 is going to be 16 episodes long and then end with a three-episode movie, and that that's probably going to be the end of R.I.D. 2015. Uh, How long was Season 1? Season 1 was 20-some episodes. Okay, so that's not that much less. No, no, no. Um, it's it's. I think it was twenty six episodes for season one. That's the usual thing. Where the well, first then it's like ten episodes less. Yeah, I'm, that is more than. But then, if you add in this movie, it's like nineteen episodes technically. So, I don't know. Season two is shorter, and the overall thing they're basically getting. If you bust the movie into three episodes, the whole series will be uh, after season two forty five episodes. And originally it was it was planned to be 78 episodes. So that's 33 episodes less than the initial outline. 
Um, and whatever, it happens. The show certainly wasn't like groundbreaking. I thought it was quite fun. Had some really good design work. My big hope is that season two was for the most part written with if this is the end of the show. I'm hoping that they were aware of that while writing most of season two. So, so that, it actually ends. Yeah, I, you know, even if a show's not like, you know, the best thing in the world, I always want the people working on it to be able to end their story on their own terms as best as they can. So hopefully that happens. I mean, if it's ending with a movie that tells me that at least that movie will be aware that it is the end, yeah. if that's the case. Yeah, I was just thinking they probably started working on season two not knowing it was the end. Maybe they had an idea that it could be, mm -hmm. but then the movie is a way to like, okay, well, we'll wrap everything up with the movie. Yeah, yeah. Because we're already too deep into production to to like shift gears too much at this point. And I mean, things can change, um, but it, I mean, it, this, this all sort of lines up also with just the amount of like, I don't know if this is the right word for it, but the amount of like marketing push behind R.I.D. seems to equal that amount of, of, of material to me. Um, so, I mean, hopefully we're going to see uh, more than just the toys revealed uh, this year, next year. Um, I Ideally, maybe a few more Decepticons, but I do not have my hopes up. I do not have my fingers crossed. Um, decent chance Japan might fill in some gaps if any major, major characters don't get covered. But uh, I think this is going to... This is going to move on uh, pretty fast. And it, and I saw... Oh man, it's not in this front page. Did I see it in this front page thing? I thought I read somewhere that the new TV show after R.I.D. was going to be a prequel series that ties into the current live-action movie universe. But I don't see that here. So I don't know if maybe I'm misremembering things. Hmm. Um, but anyway, Seth... Uh, the upside of this is if you ever want to watch R.I.D., if it ends after two seasons, that's, that's not a ton of episodes to go through. And you could probably yeah. find a list of the best ones. Yeah, I don't I don't think I like the idea of just following a list of like, ah, skip these episodes, watch these ones. Like, if I'm going to watch it, I'm going to want to watch all of it. Yeah, I think it's worth watching all of it. It's It's not a show to marathon, but it's... Like, totally, if you just watch an episode every now and then, it's totally fine. Oh, my God. That's the uh, R.I.D. alert. <laughs> the writer's calling you, going like, Hey, did you... You know, if you watched our show, then we're going to tell them. We're going to tell them off. So, in all the year, or all the year, the, the year that we were at the townhouse we were renting before here... Mm -hmm. This phone was sitting in the exact same position of my desk that it is now. It did not ring once. Nope. That whole year. And now this is the second time. <laughs> I, I I don't like this phone. I think that phone is going to have to go soon. Go garbage. It's starting some trouble with you. Um. But yeah, Seth. I hope I hope if if you if you get the inclination, um, that if you check this out, it's. It's a, it's a fun thing. It's a it's a light fun show with some cool character design, bunch of good voice acting. One particular performance that was not good. Yeah, well, I see the toys and I'll see like screenshots posted and I'll hear stuff from like you guys about like this character that looks like an antelope that turns into a, 
like a combine or whatever. Yeah, voiced and by Frank like, Stallone. Yeah, and it's like, well, they're doing stuff. They're doing stuff different, so that can't be terrible. Yeah. There's a, there's a bunch of good in that show. Uh, there just isn't a, a big, powerful, overarching story. It's it's very light fare. Um, also, this comes on the back of the, the Hasbro investor, uh, whatever you call it. The thing that's that's really boring to talk about on a on a podcast, but uh, it's worth worth throwing in there. There was a bit of news coming out of that investor thing that uh, a new Transformers series uh, coming up is going to be Transformers Micronauts, and um, uh, the Micronauts name hasn't been around for a while. No, uh, I don't think it's been. Well, the comic I think carried on into the eighties, mm-hmm. but. I associate Micronauts as being like a real 70s toy. Here's uh, here's the, the artwork for it. They're on the right-hand side. And you can see Optimus looking kind of freaked out about these little people in his hand. Well, who wouldn't be? He's like, what? This one's waving a sword at me. Because the humans are already small enough. <laughs> what the heck are we supposed to do with these little freaks? Just eats them. Now, the Micronaut toys in the U.S. were... That was like the American version of uh, um, Microman. Yes. So, I don't know what they're... I can't imagine they're going to bring over Japanese figures. No, no, I think this is going to be all new stuff. Um, yeah. the, the thing that I... Again, I know I read this somewhere on our site, but I don't remember where. Um, I would swear that I read that Micronauts will be taking the place of uh, Rescue Bots as the new, like, little kid show. So, like, younger children watch the Micronauts and then move on up into whatever the um, the prequel series is for the movies. Yeah, well, this Optimus looks kind of movie-ish. Yeah, uh, I... Th- is if- that also what he kind of is prime looking like? Uh, or R.I.D. I mean. R.I.D. looks like R.I.D. Is, is is a little bit movie, but a lot more like a lot more prime than movie. Uh-huh. Best way to put it. If um if Micronauts has a very movie looking prime and that might just be like a placeholder piece of artwork. But if if the next TV series dedicated show that isn't for little kids is also movie tie in and they've got this cinematic universe they've built for the next couple movies, I wouldn't be surprised if like Transformers uh, you know, screen media is going to try to really synchronize with the movie verse if they're trying to actually build this, uh, this quote-unquote cinematic universe, and that could go in all kinds of directions. But this this other thing that's in the picture, Hanazuki, full of treasures. Mm-hmm. Just that picture looks like an ad for an iOS game. Yeah, there's lots of multicolored little things you can collect or stack or match three of. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is going to have an associated mobile phone game, isn't it? I'm sure it will. Um, oh, there's one other thing. Uh, apparently, current Transformers revenues, this is their positive spin, are still more than two times pre-movie levels. But if you look, at, I'll send you the bar graph. You look at the bar graph that's you can see it's kind of a bs way to turn this into a positive piece of news positive spin yeah because if you look our at our transformer revenues are still <laughs> they're still revenues nothing is is ever as big as when dark of uh not talking to me no revenge of the fallen came out 
but there are definite dips in certain spots. You can but, tell. I mean, that, yeah, yeah, but you know, it's still more. Yeah, at, only at nine months. It says nine months, twenty fifteen. Yeah, it's still more than, and it's close to like twenty ten. Yeah, it's not far off from twenty ten, and it's still has what four months to go. I just think it's a, it's a kind of cute way to, or not four months to go. That's too many months in a year. <laughs> it's a cute way to put a multiplier into the headline of the bar graphs yeah. or the chart. But uh, it's, it's cool to it. see how much money the movies made. They really funded some toys. It's, it's like, okay, our revenues for 2015 are way better than G.I. Joe. <laughs> so don't worry about that. We got a long way to go before G.I. Joe. <laughs> we are making lots more money on Transformers than G.I. Joe. Believe us. Also, you may not know, but we've released some new G.I. Joe toys. <laughs> if you see them on a store shelf, you might think they're old Joe toys that we haven't sold yet. We assure you. That is incorrect. That is not correct. Just all this is just they're looking directly at the at the Toys R Us guy who's invested in Hasbro, if there is such a person. Or uh, they're, they're like secretly like whispering I love you to the Toys R Us guy for taking the G.I. Joe toys <laughs> in the first place like thank you did you see uh, G.I. I'll Joe I'll take you out to steak and lobster later on that Hasbro Pulse site G.I. Joe in order like they're they're still trying that Mark Weber bless his heart he's still still trying he's still doing his recovery effort on G.I. Joe uh, they're going to be doing fan voted figures based on some fan artwork or something like that or fan designs no, I hadn't heard this. Uh, let me pull that up for you, because I thought that was kind of interesting. Also, the uh, the club figure um, is, uh, what's her name? Pythona from the, the Cobra Law faction. So there's going to be at least one other G.I. Joe coming out uh, in the next year. I mean, I've said it before. I'll say it again. This is a million dollar idea. I'm giving Hasbro for free. I don't expect any compensation. Mm-hmm. Um, or acknowledgement from him. Telling you, man. G.I. Joe mask. Make yeah. Mask, a spin-off faction of G.I. Joe. You could have guest appearances, all kinds of stuff. The, the thing I got the wrong. Bad guys are called Venom. Bad guys from G.I. Joe are called Cobra. It makes sense. Matches up. Duke can appear on a monitor and say, hey, Matt. We want you to go check this thing out. And then Matt Tracker's like, cool, Duke. We'll go check it out. Well, the uh, the thing I got wrong about this thing I just linked you to, it's not fan characters, but it's based on people who did G.I. Joe Kindle stories or Kindle worlds. So fan fictions? I Kind of, but I'm not sure if it is the kind of thing that would be in a legal sense called fan fiction. But you can you can pick between these characters. Adventure Team Marcus... Uh, Jim by by Jim Beard, Jim the Anvil Nightheart, or uh, Troy Osgood's Cobra Blackjack from GI Joe Brainstorm. Uh, Adventure Team Marcus comes from Mystery of the Sunken Tomb. Uh, Stiletto from Bill Nedrow's GI Joe Body Count, or Cobra Whisper Justin Bell's character 
who appeared in The Price of Peace, Snake Bites. So they're gonna they're gonna have a vote to make one of these characters into a toy. That's interesting. Oh, they already had the vote. Oh, that was a short vote. That okay, vote was from ooh. that was from November second to November 9th. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty quick. Yeah. Well, they, they, they oh they posted about this November second. Okay, yeah, that was wow, that's fast. But they're going for it. Like Mark Webber is an operator. Dude knows what he's doing, as far as I know. So what was the winning vote? Uh, or did they not say yet? I'll go take a look, see if there's an update on the pulse. There's no update on the pulse. Okay, never mind then. But We're I'm still sure counting the ballots. Yeah, that's right. They gotta make sure it's counted properly. Anyway, um I I do not know a great many fans of the current R.I.D. show, but I know there are a few. And uh I don't think the show's getting killed before its time, really. Because I don't think it had a grand plan, per se. But I hope they get to end it on their own uh, terms. Yeah, I mean, hopefully the accent fall on it so late in the game that at least the movie wraps up the story. Yeah. Because it's always a bummer when a show just stops happening and doesn't get a chance to end. Yeah. But then, you know, a lot of times with animated shows, they don't care enough to just to like, hey, we just want you guys working on Thundercats to know that, uh, man, it over already. It is over. <laughs> wrap this thing up. Well, a lot of a lot of people working on cartoons, I think, are at least over at Cartoon Network, especially seem to be getting a real short end of some kind of stick with like. Like, the people who worked on that Green Lantern cartoon just got straight-up aggro on Twitter at Cartoon Network as the show was in entering its final couple of airings. They were just talking some mad smack on the Cartoon Network involvement. Hmm. And I caught... I think I mentioned... I, I, I thought I saw Derek Wyatt and a few other people who worked on uh, on the latest Ben 10 getting into a similar position of, like, yo, it would be great if we felt like there was a bit more support behind our show from the place that's airing it. Yeah, is that still going? I, th- I mean, or did they that show get killed? My impression would be that whatever season it just had was probably its last one, but I didn't actually check, so I might be completely off base. Hmm. But it, I don't, sometimes it can be pretty rough for folks working on these shows. So, you know, can imagine. Only, only got my sympathies. Yeah, like children's programming seems pretty ruthless. Yeah. Like, in a way that you wouldn't think. Like, you would think, like, hey, I'm working on cartoons. Life is fun and colorful. It's like, I want to try to. I want to try to reinvent the wheel a bit in my own way and have a real strong storyline for all ages. (laughs) Oh, you're out of seasons. Oh, okay. Yeah, just instead of (laughs) being some dude that can draw, um, instead of just being some dude that can draw that got a job at, um, Disney or Hanna-Barbera. And you're working on Droopy Dog for however long that runs. Yeah. Um, you have more people like Derek, like the dudes that worked on Thundercats, like the dudes that worked on that short-lived revamp of He-Man. Yeah. That are now the grown-up fans of that stuff from its original runs. And really taking it to new levels... And doing some really awesome stuff, and then it just it's over. It's gone. It's over, and then it's like 
hey, can we can we finish our story in some other medium? And it's like due to the nature of the franchise you're working on, probably not. That's the bigger bummer. It's like yeah. you have this window to operate in. And when you think things are going to go well, like because, you know, I, I, I feel I would be thinking this way. It's like I want to tell my big damn story that I want to tell. You know, I want to be the one who makes the version of this show that changes how everyone thinks about it. But then, you know, stuff out of your control just takes that opportunity away. And you have to be able to let go of that, I guess. And yeah. I could not imagine that. But anyway, back to happy things. Uh, Seth, let's do some hey. new picture picks. Okay. Have you got anything you want to talk about? Um, how about million publishing exclusives? Oh, thank you. Okay, you haven't heard last week's episode. Okay. But... The, were people upset those two those two those two goobers they did not bring this up in their two new those, picture those picks two. Oh, okay and then when i brought it up and said i can't believe you guys didn't bring this up i was met with resounding well why would we bring it up it's all that exciting <laughs> i thought you were gonna say it came up and they just pooped all over it because <laughs> they're malcontents no, it was just a resounding like lack of energy about the concept. So I told them I was going to throw them both down the staircase, and uh, you know, that's what happens. But Seth, so, you want to bring it up, so clearly you must have some interest in this. Well, it sounds like they're going to be difficult to get a hold of. Eh, well, expensive to get a hold of, but I don't know about difficult. Yeah, well, expensive can't be difficult. It can um, be. So. One would think there's going to be an exclusive um, runabout mm -hmm. to go with runabout oh. at some point. Uh, runabout happened in the main line. Oh. Uh, oh in, yeah, in the Adventures line. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay, this is what happened to me. If you scroll down to the bottom of all the pictures, they actually show the two legends from Adventures that these two go with. And it completely, I was like, oh, right, they did another one of those spark guys out of Groove. I forgot. Right. Yeah, I've run about completely slipped my mind. So, but that okay. So that mold, I think, works pretty good for run about and run amok. Oh yeah, like catches that silhouette of the the chunk of car like up over their head. Yeah. Um, and I just I really like that duo. Um, I like the contrast of colors between the two. Um. I like how they're basically the same figure, but like different and just based on the colors. It really, I don't know. It really works for me. And when um, Fun Pub did their exclusive versions, like I really like those. Yeah, me too. And uh, who was the general techno that figured out yes. the alternate transformation that made them right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That would, that's like, he should win an award or something for Nobel Peace Prize. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, some sort of grant <laughs> to develop more a grant to play with fan toys mode transformations. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, I just I I like Runabout and Runamuck. And yeah, I just me too. Wanted to talk about how I like those two guys. I, I'm I'm super even when their toys stink. Like the original ones. <laughs> well, I, I'm super psyched because A, the, the toy they're based on is like probably the best Combiner Wars legend to come out yeah. so far. And uh, and B, I just got 
a runabout off of uh, Amazon for a not too insane price since him and that Sparkabot groove colored dude overdrive or override they both sold pretty hard when they came out um so now I've got the runabout hopefully unless that Amazon thing completely falls apart it might but I I, I would love to get them at pocket scale because I'm yeah. uh, in the last year or so I've really fallen in love with with legend scale and where it's gone and uh yeah I'm I'm way into this and like dogfight, whatever. I mean, I guess he paid somebody to get into this two pack. Yeah, uh, like that's I don't. I'm, there's no real interest. He's, he's just standing there going like, "Anyone remember me? Hi, no, my buddy Overdrive or Override. I can't remember his name. He's got a toy that I could be a partner with." It's like, yeah, okay, sure. I'm an A10 Warhog Autobot. Oh, you mean Power Glide? No, <laughs> I have a. Uh, Cotton mouth head, so you're like the cobra thing. No, dogfight just... also didn't turn into an A10 in G1. This is just he just. I am now. I'm blue. Just and crawled teal. into the latest, the, the nearest jet body he could. He's like, hey, pay attention to me. I'm dogfight. At least I'm not using the seeker body again, right? Ah. Dogfight. I also like the 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 visual. Of a character named Runamuck holding like a big weird techno double headed axe. Yep. He's just gonna wreck some stuff. Yeah, he's gonna run amuck. He's gonna flip some things over. Yeah, I'm psyched. Uh these these million publishing exclusives, once they come out, like as as I said, like to get one is not that hard, but it will usually end up being pricey. I'd swear I saw a price as something like the book and this two pack coming to like five thousand yen, but I don't know where I saw it. Yeah, and you have them hang out with your um, stunticons. Yeah, exactly. And then they could even like merge in. Yeah, they're like these. Like already, the stunticons are nuts, and then you get these two little maniacs in the mix. Yeah, and you can start swapping breastplates on Menasaur because why not? Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm popping on and off. It's cool. I'm all psyched. And then the, the other upside is this two pack is like dogfight can turn into a gun and run amok and runabout. They're using the blackjack mold. He can hold that gun mode. Not very well because it's as big as he is. But, you know, if you just buy this set, you've got this cool run run amok and then this idiot that can turn into a gun for him. Yeah. And then if you also have run about, then one of them is holding the trigger and the other one's holding up the rest of the gun like on his shoulder. Yeah. Like it's like it's a bazooka or something. Yeah. And then why are all three of these guys working together when one of them is an Autobot? This dogfight just wants to be paid attention to. And these guys paid him some attention. There's <laughs> even negative attention is attention. Ne- ne- negative press is, is still good press. The Autobots are like, who's that Decepticon? And Dogfight's like, I've been an Autobot for 30 years. And like, I don't remember you. At least you're talking to me. The Autobots don't even talk to me. <laughs> what is it you do, Dogfight? I shoot sparks out of my feet. Why? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> do you want to see me do it? <laughs> I'll do it for you. You can see. <laughs> Uh, but, oh, you're wrecking the floor. Yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'll, I'll show myself out. You idiot, dogfight. So, that was a new carpet. 
Don't chew myself out. <laughs> well, I got a new picture pick that costs a hell of a lot more than that two-pack. Oh? Is it a bar of gold? Pretty much. Uh, Prime One Studios continues making $1,600 statues of movie Transformers from the first three movies. Oh, man. I saw the... What was it? Starscream was the last one they announced before this? Or is somebody else doing Starscream? That's 3A doing Starscream. Oh, okay. Three, oh, yeah, yeah. The 3A yeah, Starscream. The 3A Starscream is a mere $430 compared to this. Cheap which is, at any price. Yes. Uh, this is two feet tall. Uh, it's movie Ironhide. He's got a bunch of LEDs all over the place. There's going to be regular and exclusive versions. The exclusive one comes with Brawl's head. Um, exclusive versions limited to 500 pieces. Regulars uh, getting double that with 1,000 pieces being made. Uh, from the, from what I understand, these are very well-made statues, but I want to once again throw out my little question to whoever might be, still be listening to our podcast. Uh, who buys these? Because I don't know who the audience is. Like, this is a very niche thing, and the Transformers films are generally not beloved in the way that people want to buy, you know, drop nearly $2,000 on statues of them. So, I would really like to know uh, what the draw is for you if you are someone who purchases these statues. Um, yeah. I, I got to see the Megatron in person at New York Comic Con, and like, it's, it's friggin' huge! And it looks really cool! But it's a couple thousand bucks. Especially once you get into Canadian dollars. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, right off the top for me, you lose me at statue. Oh, yeah, I mean, like, there's... And then movie Ironhide and 15, well, effectively $1,600 just drives me even farther away. But, yeah, that's a really good question. Like... Just like the the sort of people who make a Transformer movie as much money as it does in the theaters, a lot of that is just people who want to see the big summer movie. Yeah. And aren't necessarily that invested in Transformers. Kind of like how I'm looking forward to seeing the new Hunger Games movie, but I have no interest in buying Hunger Games merchandise. Yeah. It, it, I think that's the vast majority of people. Um, or at the very least, it's not going to be they want to buy a, a $1,500, $1,600 statue. It's that they're going to go like, hey, that was such a fun movie. I want to go buy a Transformer toy. They're going to go to Toys R Us and, you know, deal with that that conversation probably there. I would yeah, guess anyway, with my yeah. little understanding of humans. But And it seems at least to me that the majority of hardcore Transformer fans that would spend that kind of money on a thing aren't that fond of the movies. Maybe this has a place another 10 or so years down the road when the kids that saw the first movie get into the the, the more disposable income, high-end collecting mm -hmm. range. But this is also, what, like the third or fourth statue that they're making? So there must be an audience, and it must yeah, be enough to... they have to be to, selling enough of them to make it worth doing another one. Especially if their production runs have to be in, like, increments of 500. Like, there's, there's got to be an audience there, and I, I don't feel like I have a connection to that audience 
to the point where I don't even understand the motivation and I want to understand it. So, yeah, if anyone out there listening is is a collector or has at least like, you know, dreamt of being a collector of the Prime 1 statues, like leave us a reply because I'm not trying to talk smack on your taste whatsoever. And I, I would dare say people don't pick on someone who says they want to pick these things up. I just do not understand what the motivation would be. So I, I want to understand it. And are, are they really getting, like, let's say they get all 500 of them out of their factory and two specialty shops and online dealers then their job's pretty much done. Yeah. I wonder how many of these are, like, sitting at, at in the warehouses of places like Big Bad Toy Store just waiting to go on some clearance sale. Well, I mean... And, and how many of them are in houses. I mean... Like, in people's homes. I would say that would be the story of, like, maybe the first two, but we are past that now. So something's got to be going right. Like you wouldn't you especially when you get into like esoteric stuff like Cowboy Ironhide. Like it's it's got to be it's got to have a a a, a base of, of buyer support somehow. So I want to understand it. So, you kind of you, you threw me a little bit there. Like with all my conspiracy video watchings, esoteric is usually followed by the term gnostic. So <laughs> I was like, wait, what? Was it, was it, character design is esoteric and Gnostic as Ironhide, the cowboy yeah. robot. I, <laughs> and I want to say, like, it's a fantastic looking representation of Ironhide from the films. Uh, like, the, the statue looks great. The LED placement is perfect. Uh, I would say the pose is great because you, you don't want to put Ironhide in a big, goofy pose. But you don't want him half upside down from his barrel roll slow motion jump well, unless there's like a little like i don't know human lady going blah like underneath them yeah there's a human lady going blah and a missile with a trail of smoke behind it now that i might i might pay 1600 dollars for except i yeah. wouldn't uh, it is ridiculously detailed yeah i mean it is it's nuts but again i don't want to sound like we're completely crapping all over it but yeah, who, who who's buying these things? Yeah, because like I said, the, the the reason why this question is is so pertinent to me now is that there have been enough of these that there must be an audience for them that is causing them to continue coming out. We're we're past the opening stage of like, oh, they made Optimus and Megatron. So, yeah, I want to know. I uh, also like that all these pictures have a General Motors logo on them. Yeah, <laughs> GM uh, gots to get theirs. These pictures are also making me bummed out that Leader Ironhide was not a little bit more impressive. He was okay, but I really like movie Ironhide as a design. I wonder if the argument was made to GM, like, you can't recognize any of your car. Like, <laughs> we got a contract, man. Listen, if those hubcaps. If you do anything, we gots to get paid. You, you recognize the slender features of a GM fender up there on those shoulders, all right? Anyway, uh, that's my new pick. That's our new picture pick section. Um, We've got a listener question here from Uncle Joe 420, uh, who says, with the Combiner Wars line in kind of full swing and the Radicons on TFW 
uh, going putting their own spin on them, myself included. I was wondering if you guys on the podcast had a favorite mold or Radicons repaint from the Combiner Wars line. Uh, there, think that's it, Uncle Joe. So uh, I admit I've not been I've not been digging through Radicons a ton uh, in the last little bit. Like if we're gonna briefly, if we're gonna just talk about a favorite mold out of Combiner Wars, I would totally throw down like you know Dead End slash Streetwise or Rook. But uh, as far as customs, there's a custom I'd love to talk about. I just don't know if it has a Radicons thread. Um, Seth, what about you? I know you went, you went, well, I know you went like this listener questions hard. Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> at first I kind of misunderstood what they were saying. I thought he was asking, what is your favorite Radicon custom from Combiner Wars? And I was like, oh man, I don't, I better get over to the Radicons forum and start clicking. And then I'm like, there, I can't find any, <laughs> at least not initially. I got to dig deep. Um, so, yeah. Um, I realized I had really lost trust, or trust, I'm sorry. I had really lost touch with what the folks in the Radicons have been working on because, and I didn't even notice this happened until I started thinking about this question. Um Stuff used to get posted on the front page in relations to the Radicons. Mm -hmm. Like someone would put up their pictures of something and then it would get to the front page and that's where I would see it. And that would draw me into that forum. Uh, and then I realized, oh, I, I don't think they do that anymore. Yeah, I, I haven't seen highlights done in a while. And that's a shame because that's a really good way to expose people to that uh, that whole forum. Yeah. Um, but as I was clicking through, I saw some really amazing stuff. Um, some really nice, a uh, couple really nice uh, leader class um, um, Ultra Magnus Eye. That's a plural for an Ultra Magnus, right? Uh, Ultra Magnuses. Ultra Magni, I've heard. Ultra Magni. All my Magnis. Is the building a better Magnus thread you linked me to? Yeah, that was pretty cool looking. Yeah. And somebody's working on a Marvel Squirrel Girl that doesn't have a head yet, but uh, the sculpting on the fur bits that the, they had done was pretty impressive. Um, yeah, I'm sorry, I don't have a better answer. Well, my uh, my own answer, like I, I've tweeted about this one a lot because this this was an idea that came from XV, uh, running mine over on Twitter, and uh, then cheats tweaks Cheatimus Primal. Um, did the custom and sold it on eBay. And I was like about two steps away from bidding on it. Cause I really like how it turned out. Um, the idea was to take that dead end mold from the stunicons from combiner wars and redo him as Nightbeat, And it looks fantastic as Nightbeat, uh, to the point where I feel like someone should just do the toy as Nightbeat. but Nightbeat's coming out as a head in Titans return. So that probably won't happen officially. But uh, yeah, I think I think Nightbeat colors on the dead end mold with a Nightbeat head, of course, from from the Generations one. Like I think it looks fantastic. Uh, I don't know, Seth. What are you thinking about this? I think this looks. Good. No, the head looks really cool. It works. The colors work. the The whole thing works. It works. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I I wouldn't be upset if a toy like that came out. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm I'm super into into how it turned out. So uh, that, that's that's definitely mine. I don't know if that's Radicon, so I, I I just kind of did a Google search for for Cheats Nightbeat. Um, 
but yeah, uh, I like I I've been quite remiss in 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 perusing Radicons because it's it's not on my usual like radar of when I do a little cruise through the forums uh, unless someone like points me at it. Um, there are a couple things in there that I've been I've been trying to check up on here and there because they are moving on to production projects. Um, like I'm noticing on the front page of Radicons, uh, John bon- uh, John Bonamatron's uh, Leader Prime work in progress, his Shapeways upgrade kit for Commando Wars Prime. That thread's still going on, and that kit is kind of, sort of, in its own way, becoming a production plastic thing through SND. Um, so that that's kind of cool that there's there are now a couple Radicon threads of uh, of things that have moved up to production plastic. Well, I just reopen the the forum and this gi eddie uh custom delorean from back to the future was there and this is pretty awesome looking (laughs) looks like they used the fair lady z body from masterpiece yeah and turned it into the back to the future delorean and it the car mode is pretty damn good especially given how like how little of it is on the robot mode. I'm kind of surprised. That looks really, really good. Also, this is from like over a year ago and I'd never seen this. I just opened the forum and it was bumped to the top. Somebody must have just posted in it. Wow. Looks like the gullwing doors were added somewhere down the road too, going by that first post. Yeah, this got bumped by a dude with, I can't even pronounce his name. There's too many T's in a row. Mega Botatronius bumped it up to say this is the most awesomest thing so uh yeah as for like combiner wars deluxe is i like that cheatimus one is kind of an example of the thing that i was really digging of just like going in the theme of how the line was going like do head swaps and redecos and see who still looks good on those bodies um there was someone who who figured out how to combine the generation sweeps with the, the cyclonus torso but i believe the combination was a little a little bit of a little kit bashy so I, I didn't know if that one counted, and I also don't have a link for it. So, yeah, I don't know. I hope that answered your question to some degree. Um, like, as for what I would like to see out of Co- Combiner Wars Customs, just, I'm really into the idea of, like, of like things that stay in the realm of what was done with, like, Dead End to Streetwise, for example, or, or Cyclonus from Silverbolt. Like, do a little bit of parts work, a whole bunch of paint work, and maybe a new head, and just see how... See who fits those bodies still, because those are such like chameleonic bodies for the most part. That's what I would say. Have a go at, have a go at it that way. I feel like I need to apologize to everyone doing really cool stuff in Radicons for not having been paying more attention. Yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff on the boards creatively, and I just you know, what it's it's all really whether or not you spend a lot of time in those sub forums. Like there's cool stuff in the videos forum, the fan fiction forum, uh, Radicons fan art, role-playing, like, there's a lot of people putting a whole lot of energy just into, like, tiny, hidden pockets on the site. And, uh, you know, if you ever have the time, dear listener, like, go and look for some of that stuff, and you might find some pretty cool things. I'm not as good at doing that myself, because now I've got too many things I want to watch just on Netflix. (laughs) Let alone, uh, throughout the boards. You Netflix and chill by yourself. Yep. Got my stick of butter in one hand, got my zipper in the other, and you know what I mean. You know, you know what I mean. Hey, Jessica Jones is right around the corner. 
Yeah, holy crap. Three days away. We can't talk about TV, though, because I'm going to be talking about TV at the end of the show. Okay. Oh. We need to save it up. But yeah, three days away. Well, two days away now, pretty much. Um, You're going to be talking about TV at the end of the show? It's going to be, yeah, I'm going to talk about some TV. Are we going to be talking about um, Charlie Sheen having HIV? No, no. This That's is, a TV thing. This is going to be just, this is just for, just, this is for you, Seth. This is a topic Yo, he for got, you. He, he got the HIV. Oh, no. Well, get it treated. I don't know. Well, in that interview, he said he's on the meds and his viral load is like undetectable, which is like the amazing thing. It's not a death sentence anymore. Like the current drug cocktails um, can let you live like a virtually disease-free life. It's amazing. No, the medical things that happen in, in, I mean, sometimes Facebook headlines that might be questionable, but, you know, when you start digging, like you, things that seem to be of some merit are pretty impressive. Like these little, little victories that are happening here and there. Um, but before we get to that, Seth, do you want to, you want to, you want to talk about some Transformers toys? Hey, let's talk about Transformer toys. Maybe ones we got this week. Hey, did you get any this week? I did. Did you? I did. Let's did you? I, I did. D- did you? I did. What did you get? I got uh, Masterpiece Tracks. So did I today. Oh, I got mine a couple days ago, but I didn't open it until yesterday. Cool. Let's, let's so talk about it. we're both pretty fresh. Yeah. I, I put up some vines about him. Oh, I didn't see those. I was shaking him by his backpack a whole lot. Oh. You want know my least favorite part about Masterpiece Tracks is? What? His backpack. So what specifically is it do you think that is not Well, you can tell uh really quick that this is not a Hasui toy. <laughs> Cuz there's a big backpack with a visible armature and like a Well, I mean Trax should have like a big thing on his back behind his head because that's part of his silhouette. Mm-hmm. Um I think this is sticking up way too high and it's way too empty. And yeah, the armature is not great. And I spent a really long time thinking I must be putting this in the wrong position. There must be a way to get it a little bit lower. Mm. And then his tiny little missiles, missile launchers are, they're so tiny. They're kind of, yeah, they're a little, a little puny. They're so tiny. I, um, uh, well, this is, this is the, I've tried to piece together specifically what it is about him that I just found different than Sideswipe, Prowl, and Wheeljack. And it's it's less the backpack and more because the backpack on mine, once I get his doors tabbed into his back and then the backpack tabbed onto those, you know, the opened door things. Yeah, it all stays. That part stays together pretty well. The part that comes apart really easy is his chest and how it's trying to tab into the two arm armatures like inside his torso. Uh, Those come loose really fast. And then while I'm trying to fix those or pose his arms in weird ways, sometimes I bump his backpack out of place. So I, th- I I haven't had trouble with the backpack getting bumped out, but I, I have uh, had that chest piece pop loose. Yeah, the chest piece pops loose, I think, super easy. And then depending on how well you've got the backpack tabbed in, there can be like a chain reaction. Uh-huh. And also like his shoulders, like if you move his shoulders forward, they can bump the wings pretty easy, even if you're trying to keep the wings out of the way. Um. So there's just like the, the what I what I think you can really boil it down to is. Sideswipe, Prowl, and Wheeljack. When you get them into robot mode, they're in robot mode. All caps. With Trax, he always feels a little bit like, oh, if I play, like, he's he's fine. 
It looks good, but if I play with him, he starts to come apart a little bit in his chest, and then there might be a chain reaction from there. Yeah. So that that feeling of, like, finality hitting the robot mode just ain't there for him. Yeah, and he just feels thinner and not as substantial as the previous cars. Like the Datsun, Lamborghini, Bumblebee molds. Just, they felt more substantial. And one of the things that I really kind of liked, especially with the Datsuns, is their transformation is very similar to the original G1 toys. Like you do a lot of the same things, but there's like more steps in between sort of a, sort of a deal. Mm. Um, transforming tracks didn't remind me like at all of the original toy. Yeah. Like the, the other cars, there would be points where, where I'd be transforming it and I would get that this feeling of like, Oh, I remember doing this. Like, this is comfortable. This, this is like, I'm getting a sense memory off of doing this. Well, there's, there's like, and there was just none of that with tracks. Like the Hasui cars had like referential engineering to their basement, like, you know, to their source material. Um, with tracks, like, you know, the same parts are becoming the same parts on his robot mode, but I kind of get what you mean. Yeah. And he doesn't have that. He he doesn't look as much like his animation model as some of the the Husui cars do, like especially Smokescreen, and in some ways Bumblebee. Bumblebee's a bit different, but that whole trying to make the robots look like the cartoon character, it that just doesn't seem so much that way with tracks. And I I think if tracks had come out before all of those. Like, if Trax was the first Masterpiece car we got, we'd all be singing its praises and saying how amazing it is. Um, but having come out post the Hisui cars, it feels like a step backwards. Yeah, I, th- I think it's just, like, there's clearly some different priorities uh, in the design. Um, I want to preface just right away, I'll, I'll encapsule, I like this toy a bunch still. Like, I, I think this is this is a good toy. I think it's... It's still a, it's clearly a masterpiece toy for various reasons. It's just masterpiece is a gradient, but due to the Hisui era, we I think a lot of people kind of forgot that. But uh, I want to know who designed him because there are very Kobayashi things like the very complicated or at least, you know, there are a lot of steps to transforming some certain parts of him. Uh, and then, you know, a very tab oriented assembly on, on, on a part of his body. In this case, his torso that does not really stand up to heavy play super well um but this also feels this feels like you know better than kobayashi's rodimus in many ways so there's there's definitely improvement if if kobayashi's the one who worked on this um but yeah it's it's a bummer that a lot of the things that i feel i have problems with on tracks also feel like they come from a non-hasui mindset because i didn't want that to be the case uh-huh. Like, I don't like the idea of our golden boy is left and now the line sucks. And I don't think the line sucks, but I do feel like our golden boy has left, has kind of yeah. occurred here. And that well, sucks. I, I definitely would not say that track sucks, um, yeah. but it does feel like a step backwards in quality. It's, I mean, and like I said, I'll reiterate from earlier. Like if this came out before, yeah, um, 
before the the Lambos and and everything, I don't think we'd be so critical. Yeah, and and like another reason why I think this this kind of it, it sucks to be saying this is like months ago I said like these guys all still work together. It's not like Hasui has zero input on masterpiece anything. It's not like he's not in the building anymore, but. It's like the priorities have definitely shifted uh, in very subtle ways. Yeah. When you guys were talking about that in the odd episode, I had missed. Um, oh, man. And I didn't even tell the stories on why I didn't get home in time. But <laughs> um, AT&T stores suck a lot. Anyway, that's all I'll say. About I won't argue. Um, yeah. When you guys were talking about that. um like I just had this like little vision in my head of, of a, of a, I just forget. We said his name like ten times, and now I can't remember. Oh, Hasui. Hasui, um, uh, sitting in the lunchroom at Takara Tommy, just like eating his bento box, <laughs> and uh, and whoever was working on track sitting down next to him, be like, "Ah, oh, Hasui song, can you?" Uh, I don't mean to interrupt you, but can you take a look at this real quick? And him just going, nope, 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 and gathering <laughs> up all his stuff and like putting his chopsticks in the box and putting the lid on the box and be like, nope, 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 and just picking up his stuff and going back to his office. <laughs> Slams the door shut, locks yeah. it. It's like, nope, nope, I was taken off a masterpiece. I'm not looking at it. I'm not touching it. I got nothing to say. F you guys, I'm going home. <laughs> Well, like, like to in terms of things about this figure, I think work. Like, I found a few poses where I can at least make better sense of you know Trax's bipedal skeleton. Um, because the toy has there are some poses this toy can be put in that are really unflattering. Which, as I mentioned, you know, two episodes ago, I feel like that's also being exacerbated by some of the photography happening on these toys. Um, there are ways to get to get Trax to look great. Um, you know, ways to get his neckline to line up real well with his shoulders the the fact that his shoulders can rotate forwards a bit is is actually a godsend on this toy a very subtle one um but uh and like i i love the ratchets in the knees i love the way that the the feet and ankles work uh like from the from the waist down i really like this toy um it's a shame that his his elbows are kind of in the wrong place for my tastes they're just a little too high um and his elbows yeah, can only this... bend about 80 degrees so it just loses so much when he can't even pull off a clean 90, um, let alone, you know, 80 some degrees. And then his forearms are way longer than his biceps. Um, there, in some postures, you can still get the, the elbow bend to be, you know, visually implied quite well. But because the elbow is so high, bending his elbow from some angles just looks like his arm is sort of just swinging forward at a lower at a lower point of rotation. Um it, it, it's a, it, like the car mode on this thing is gorgeous. The blue, the metallic blue plastic and paint is gorgeous. Yeah, uh, I I really like the transformation now that I've gone through it and I understand where things are supposed to go. I think the instructions really fail to get across a few things. Um, the instructions are kind of terrible. Yeah, they're like especially the way that those doors split open, fold up, and then you know peg into his back. I don't feel like they make it clear at all that these are supposed to peg into his back. Like I kind of happened upon that while I was messing with the toy. Well, there's the one part in his legs that you, uh, it's under, so there's that, that mostly gray flat piece that swings around yeah. to the front of his shins. And just above his feet under that, 
is that little kind of rectangly piece that you rotate down. Yeah, yeah. Um, I completely missed that from the instructions. And it wasn't until I found a transformation video on YouTube because I just wasn't trusting that I was putting the backpack in in the right position. Turns out I was. <laughs> I was just hoping it was wrong. Yeah. Um, in that video, uh, I see the guy turning those bits and and I'm like, oh, I missed that altogether. I didn't know I was supposed to do that. And then I did it. And then I felt like uh, it didn't really make a difference. <laughs> I think it, it helps, but it, it I mean, I, I got that quote unquote spoiled for me when I, I met up with Ian and he showed me on his what rotated down. And I was like, oh, that seems like that's really important because then his foot isn't f- floating underneath the giant gap. Yeah. Um, but I'm, it's weird. I'm, I like this toy, but it gives me all these different feelings, especially about, you know, the coming year. Because I'm looking at this guy. I'm assuming whoever worked on tracks is whoever worked on Ironhide. And the little issue, like the pros I'm getting off tracks make me feel better about Ironhide. The issues I have with tracks make me feel worried about those same issues on Ironhide. Like how his torso is going to come together. Is it going to be the same story of tracks where there's some kind of complicated tab slot integration that doesn't quite lock together right? And every time I try moving his arms, I got to hold his chest together. Are the legs, the legs look super solid on Ironhide and Trax's legs, I think, are super solid. So is that going to be the story there? Uh, is the is the transformation going to be a lot of interweaving panels like on some parts of Trax? Or, is you know, like there's there's good and bad here, but uh, something has definitely been a little bit lost uh, as far as the robot mode just being the friggin end point. Um, and, and I'm. I ho- I hope that things improve as time goes on, and perhaps Hasui can be pulled back into masterpiece once Movie Five's toys or Movie Six's toys are done. Um, yeah, and I'm not really into the face sculpt either. It just seems too smooth and not robot-y enough. A lot of people have problems with the the face sculpt. I I personally don't mind it that much. I'm not. I don't know how I would defend it. But whatever it is that is, you know, what whatever qualities that have bothered some people like aren't really bugging me that much. But it is smooth. I mean, it, besides those two like panel lines coming down from his eyes, you paint it pink and it's a passable human face. Yeah, I, I guess I'm just I. It's got sort of soft geometric lining, like as the chisel of the jawline, but. I wouldn't like really beat that point down either. Like, yeah, well, I've seen a lot of Marvel Legends figures that have, <laughs> especially after ha- like the the first like couple waves after Hasbro took over, mm-hmm. were like all the figure design was a lot more angular. Yeah, um, I uh, I do really like the extras this guy comes with. Like, I'm super happy that that flight stand also has a place to to be used in his robot mode. Yeah, uh, I think that does wonders, and it's a really good stand too. I've I've had some high end toys with some real garbage display stands packed in, and that's a good stand. Uh, the Raoul figure has a lot more paint than I've been led to believe, despite like having none on his face. Uh-huh. Um, I think it's a shame that he's a static standing figure. Um, I would have loved to at least you know to be able to waggle his arms around. That little blaster though, uh, two reasons why it makes me happy. Number one is painted well. Number two, you can fasten it to Trax's anus in robot mode. Yikes. 
And I, I kind of like that. You can just jam Blaster against, like, not into, but just slap up against his butt and keep him held there. Um, something about that feels right to me. I don't, I don't know why. Uh, oh, well, it's like they jammed everything they could from the one tracks episode. Yeah. So. <laughs> I also think it kind of sucks that the little teeny gun for the front of his flying car mode has like nowhere to go in either of his other two modes. Um, cause the, the fact that you can put blast also, you can put blaster or his gun into the seating area in the alt mode. And I'm kind of like, I feel like there is enough space here for both. And that area remains kind of, you know, the, the area inside his chest, like, I feel like that could have been a great universal storage space for all of his accessories. What with them being so tiny and it, it feels like, a, you know, or maybe his flight stand could have places to plug them in on the base. Uh, the lack of accessory storage on something that is so accessory full with a display stand. I found a little disappointing. Yeah. Well, I have an idea about that tiny little gun, but I'll tell you off mic. Stick it up my butt. Well, if we're going to bring it up, I'm always ready to talk about my butt. Well, not your butt, but that little gun. When I first opened up the box and slid it out, my first thought was, why does he come with a butt plug? Oh, dear. So. I wasn't going to say anything else about it, but you you started talking about butts. Well, I was talking about slapping a boombox against the cheeks, not, you know, into the crease, the crevice, whatever you want that to call it. That little gun with its little black base bit that attaches to his grill looks like a butt plug. Noted. End of the day, uh, I, I think I think Trax is worth picking up, but I went in with some very set expectations. Uh, and I think that if you can go in looking past the lack of the last era, there's still a pretty f decent figure in there. It's just got some flaws. He has a waist twist. He does. He also has this really useless ab crunch Thanks. joint. His ankle tilts. You, like the hinge in the like right above his waist is clearly for posing or something, but it doesn't do anything. Yeah, because it feels like I'm going to crack the windshield. Yeah, oh, that's weird. I like I like posing him. I found some great poses for this dude. Um I kind of I kind of like him. I also think I'm I'm really curious. There between all the masterpieces being really well done and by Hasui for the last, you know, couple years and people using that as a kind of soft standard for the masterpiece alike fad that came up in the unofficial stuff. I'm curious to see what that conversation will be like a year from now as we get deeper into this new era and as, you know, lines begin to blur pretty heavily. Because now we've got official Masterpiece toys coming out that I would argue stick out in a way against some of the Hasui cars as much as some unofficial ones. And are people still going to have this kind of non-existent gold standard and, you know, sling screen caps at each other? Or is there going to be like a... If people are going to realize it in, in many ways, it comes down to far more specific aspects of design and taste. I'm curious. Uh, Seth, did you get any other Transformers? Do you have anything else you want to drop about tracks? No. You going to sell yours? You just that mad? No. Gonna, no. Oh. I got it now. It's it's mine. In my life forever. Try. <laughs> yeah. 
if I ever see Michael McConaughey at a convention again, I'll get him to autograph it. Where? On the butt plug. Nice! Uh, no, I don't get any more. Did you get any other Transformers? Um, you think? I haven't opened them. I don't think so. Did I mention? No, I mentioned. I think I mentioned last week that I I got it. Oh. No, I did. I get. Oh, go ahead. I did get something else. What did you get? I almost forgot, and my girlfriend was like, "Don't forget." And I almost did. Oh. Um, we got Q Transformer. Uh, Hello Kitty. Oh, nice the the truck. Yeah. So we got that. Excellent. And it looks like Hello Kitty, and it turns into a little truck. I got And those things are way more detailed than I than I thought it was going to be. That's part of my story with Q Transformers and how I got really yanked into them. Is they're aside from the fact that I think they're built pretty well for what they are. Like they are they are well crafted. There's there's depth to them. Details and things. Yeah. No, it's a decent figure. Well, uh, last week I mentioned I got a deal on Keith's Fantasy Club uh, box bomber. I have to take your word for it. So uh, I, uh, I have a little update. I've been working on some of his ball joints, and I'm making some progress. The problem is the ball joints are not spheres. They're slightly ovular. So, well, more like ovals, but I like saying ovular. Uh, it's hard to, to, to thicken them up because you, parts of them work fine. Parts of them are ragdoll loose. It really depends on how you've rotated the arm. But I'm making some progress on this little guy. And he hasn't broken while I'm doing so, which is already a lot better than the last one. So I'm, I'm still continuing on my fantasy club adventure. Um. Yeah, I guess that's, if that's it for our Transformers stuff, uh, Seth, do, do you have any off-topic stuff you want to talk about? Uh, way more than I wish I did. Oh, oh dear. God, I got several things. Um, here I had to take a picture so I can remember all of <laughs> all of this one aspect of the tons of stuff we got. Oh dear. So Legos. Don't go on sale very much anywhere. No. And that seems to also be the case with Lego Dimensions. Yes. So they ran a deal at Toys R Us. Um, it wasn't a very good deal, but it was a deal. So we wanted to take advantage of it because Wave 2 of Lego Dimensions was just released. Mm-hmm. So we got all the Wave 2 stuff. So it's a Ninjago character pack. So you get a black ninja guy and a red ninja guy. And a red blade bike and a black um, boulder bomber. I, I don't know nothing about Ninjago. Well, they have boulder bombers. All I know is that they seem to be the worst ninjas. Because they have giant fluorescent like robot dragons and drill tanks and flaming cars and robot suits. And I'm like, none of this is stealth at all. <laughs> This is the antithesis of being stealthy. Well, they're also the only Ninjago sets we've gotten so far. Yeah. We haven't gotten any other ones, and we haven't gotten any of the Chamara ones. But to take advantage of this deal, you had to buy character and level packs. 
and then that got you a discount on the fun packs. Oh, I saw a deal like that. that I don't know if I told you or it was Aaron. I saw a deal when I last visited Crin that I thought meant if I bought if I bought the portal set, I would get a $30 gift card. But then they said, oh, you have to buy the portal set and the starter pack. And I was like, oh, I'm no longer interested. Yeah, that would be a really good deal for any of the level sets to get you a $30 gift card. Yeah, if I wanted to, to drop the 130 to do so, maybe, but I don't want to drop 100 for the starter pack. Yeah. Well, the day that it all released, I don't remember exactly how it worked now, but the deal Toys R Us was running was you got like a $20 gift card when you bought the starter pack and then a $10 gift card for every X amount of money you spent on the other sets. Yeah. And we figured out like, okay, what's the minimum combination of these things to get to that price point? And then... Like, I bought a pairing, my girlfriend bought a pairing, we went and got lunch, came back, bought another pairing each, came back the next day and got the rest of it. Skipping the Ninjago and Shamara stuff. Proper. Um, so we, we milked that deal as much as possible. <laughs> um but then also in this grip, this Wave 2 grip, so there's a Doctor Who level pack, which is the current uh, Capaldi version of the Doctor, uh, K-9 and TARDIS sets. He's a Scottish actor. That's what apparently people were talking about a lot recently on Twitter, was the need for Scottish doctors. Mm -hmm. And whether or not they can be girls. And what other characters are getting us ready for the idea of a girl doctor. It was a big thing on Twitter amongst a couple people I yesterday. Caught, I caught some of that. Uh, then the fun packs um, were um, Unikitty, mm -hmm. Bart Simpson, and Krusty the Clown. Now, with the Simpsons' inclusion in all of this... Um, of, of course you're going to do Homer. Of course you're going to do Bart. Like, I think those are the two characters you can't not do. Um, not because I care that much about Bart Simpson, but it just seems like there's no way you're going to get away with not doing a Bart Simpson. Don't have a cow, man. But then if you're going to do a third of all the characters in The Simpsons... I, I would not have picked Krusty the Clown. Maybe, I always forget actually who precisely voices who, but maybe things lined up where that was the easier voice to record. I think it's the same guy that does Homer. Oh, that that might um, be part of it. Dan. Dan Castanella? Yeah, Dan Castanella. I think he's Krusty. That makes sense. That, that that might be part of it is, you know, they had him, they needed to maximize his booth time and he's an expensive voice actor. Yeah, but he also does a bunch of other characters. <laughs> uh, but are, are they as important <laughs> to the mythos as Krusty the Clown? Oh, there's Grandpa. Uh, but uh, playing as him I, in the game, I don't, I, don't, I don't know. I'm not sure who else he does. Um, but I know he does more. Yeah. Um, anyway, I just wouldn't have picked Krusty if it was up to me. It would have been somebody else. Um, Hank Scorpio. 
Then also while we were at Toys R Us, we were walking past the the area where they have all like the the NECA kind of stuff and those like more collector oriented figures. Yeah. And and uh my girlfriend spotted something that I just sort of gave up on even thinking about existing. Uh the Wave One Mortal Kombat figures. Oh, you actually saw them. So I, I got all of Wave One. Yep. And then she was like, are they doing any more? And I said, well, I know there's going to be a second wave. And Vangelis was like kind of hoping that there would be a third, but it's not looking good. Nope. And she goes, well, who's in the third wave? I went, ah, I don't know, but I'll look it up. And then I was like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to get wave two. I mean, wave two, I I like the I like the Mortal Kombat X design of Quan Chi. And I think Kotel Khan was a cool new character. And I, I think Katana's neat, and also she's a female Mortal Kombat character, and so getting that figure is like the biggest bit thumb at Jazzwares you can do. So I'm okay with it, but if that's also it, then that kind of sucks. Yeah, like I'm not really into that version of Katana's outfit. Yeah. It's kind of getting to the little too skanky realm. And the other two characters, I just don't have any history with whatsoever. So mm-hmm. they're, they don't mean anything to me. Well, uh, Quan Chi is basically the most popular Mortal Kombat character. So, you know, it'd only take a little bit of looking up and you'd see that he's, he's, he's well worth your time. Is he the most popular or just your favorite? He's the most popular Mortal Kombat character in all of Mortal Kombat. Ask any Mortal Kombat fan. Amongst Mortal Kombat fans or just you? Amongst amongst the, the greater populace. You walk up to someone on the street and you're like, yo, Quan Chi. They're going to be like, right, son? And they do a little like Quan Chi pose. Everyone knows Quan Chi. All right. well, a little surprised you don't. Hmm. But then we went to a Target store. Ah. This was on a different day, though. And I got more stuff at the Target store. Oh, geez. So, oh, and also at Toys R Us, I finally saw some Star Wars Black Series six-inch figures. Like like from Force Awakens? Yes. Wow. And not Wave 1. Friggin' damn it! Oh, okay. So this is what they had. They had a couple of fins... And a Chewbacca, because those are the ones that nobody wants, apparently. Mm-hmm. And then, like, I, I was starting to wonder, like, is Finn going to end up being, like, people are seeing it and being like, oh, I don't know who this guy is, screw him. And then when the movie comes out, everyone's going to think he's, like, the most awesome character in the history of Star Wars. And then maybe those figures will start disappearing. But, okay, so they had those, like, peg warmers from Wave 1. And then they had, like, six snor- snow troopers. Oh, wow. They just had heaps of snow troopers. So I was like, well, it says snow trooper officer, but I bet I could take the pauldron off his shoulder and just make one of them into playing-ass snow trooper. So I'm going to get two of these. I pre-ordered all of Wave 2 from Big Bad. So then I'll have three. And that's a nice little squad of snow troopers. Yeah. So I got those. I haven't opened them yet, so I just have. Then we went to Target on another day, and I got a, excuse me, I got a cough. Oh, no. He's coughing. I can tell. 
through the internet, I can I can sense the vibrations. Yeah, I've been dealing. I've been trying to deal. Deal. Um, so they had a few figures from the Marvel um, Rhino wave. And I'm not going to go all out on this wave. Um, oh, a few days earlier, um, I don't know who the character's name is, but she's in the wave. She's They just have her listed as hero for hire on the box. Yeah. It's a character I'm not familiar with, but my girlfriend thought she looked awesome, so she bought her one day. Because um, I guess because she has an afro and a revolver. And a metal hand. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then I came across at this target, the uh, chameleon figure. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, that one's really cool because it's a dude in a suit. And then he comes with these two other heads. So you're kind of getting three characters in one box. Um, so I grabbed chameleon. I just want uh, to throw out there for people that I, I, I respect the long history of Misty Knight. Hero for hire. Uh, did you just Google her? I, I, when I was a kid, I thought she looked really cool, and I never read any of the comics. And then she became like, she had a, a resurgence or something uh, during one of those many events starting in the mid two thousands. She must have come and go, gone. Well, yeah, I wasn't paying attention to comics. Yeah, because I have no idea who that character is. She's going to be appearing in Luke Cage too. Ah, me. And isn't Luke Cage going to be appearing in Jessica Jones? Yeah, it's all tied. Oh, there's a Doctor Who in Jessica Jones, too. I know. And he's going to be a creepy purple mind rapist guy. Yeah. What a jerk. But then also at Target, I saw some more Star Wars six inch black series label. This time a two pack. Oh, yeah. With Poe Dameron and Stormtrooper with Riot Gear. I'm so mad that that cool-looking Riot Gear Stormtrooper is in a two-pack with some guy. Well, he's like like a pilot guy. Oh, but I don't need action figures of pilots. But he's got a rifle thing. Oh, I just want, like, two of those Riot Troopers. He has not shaved. They're Stormtroopers with Riot Shields. It's so goddamn cool. And, like, a baton thing. Yeah, they're just gonna they're just gonna bop people on the head. They're not gonna shoot them like they solved the problem in this episode seven or whatever. Like, hey, we keep missing with the lasers. Just give them shields and big ass sticks. Suddenly they're way more effective. Okay, guys, we're not called the Empire anymore, alright? We're called the First Order from here on out. What's First Order mean? Well shooting things and hitting it. That is the first order of business, is to learn how to use these blaster rifle guns. I think that's the, like, I I was saying just the other day, um, I think the thing that I'm most looking forward to in Force Awakens is finding out what the hell happened in between Return of the Jedi and this. Yeah. I am prepared, I'm pretty sure that the answer to that question is, We'll get vague hints, and then we'll find out in, like, movie nine. Yeah. We'll just, like... Yeah, like, my questions are, like, how how did the Empire become the First Order? How did the Rebel Alliance become the Resistance? Who named this poor guy Poe? 
why apparently were Han and Chewie away from the Falcon enough for them to be like, oh my god, dude, we're back. Yeah. Where's the Wilhelm stream going to happen? Uh, I don't know. And how tiresome but is the Wilhelm the, stream? But in the trailer, we saw some lens flare. So Good. And oh, the speculation I came across online after the movie poster was released. Mm-hmm. Because there was no Luke Skywalker on that movie poster. I, oh, the speculation. I have I have read none of it. Because enough people are speculating that I'm sure someone actually has the right idea and doesn't know it. Yeah. I was, I mentioned that there was all the speculation to somebody in the know. And they were like, I'm not going to say anything. And I said, I don't want you to say anything. I'm just saying, there's all this speculation. (laughs) Yeah, that's... And and then I didn't, well, I didn't even, like, give him any of the speculation. Because I didn't want, like, to be describing one of the specialized theories. And then him, like giving a facial reaction that I would then interpret as like, Oh no, that's actually it. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm enjoying kind of going spoiler free on the thing. And I'm not even like that hyped for the film. I just think it's going to be fun. Like I haven't pre-ordered tickets or anything, but I am really excited to go see it. And then like kind of close off that pre-build era in my head. I don't think pre-buying tickets is necessary. I know, but they made such a big deal about it. <laughs> I know, it was dumb. Kevin Smith was making comments of like, the movie's not out for like a month and a half and it's already made more money than Tusk. <laughs> <laughs> like, he should be surprised. <laughs> it, I, I would have predicted Star Wars would have made more movie or more money than Tusk. Yeah, I if think, you were gonna yeah. set me sit me down at the table and go like, listen, what do you think is gonna make more money? Easy answer. <laughs> Listening to the last episode of Smodcast, they get off on on like the sort of conversation that led to Tusk, and I was just listening, going like, oh no, oh this would be so much a worse idea. <laughs> I hope I hope Smith doesn't get too excited right now. <laughs> We'll ride off that Star Wars hype too. Um. Well, uh, so you you toys to life up, and then you just friggin' you, man, that's an adventure. Yeah, and and also I got a solar powered flickering light tiki head. <laughs> Crown jewel of the week's gains. Yeah, it's, it's cool, though. It's very solid and substantial feeling. Mm-hmm. The, the light flicker is very candle-ish. It's, it's good stuff. Nice. Surrounded by cool things. <laughs> Just got to keep piling cool things up around me. Be protected from the terrorists. Story of my life. Uh, well, I, I think got- that's everything I got. I got two things I want to talk about in my section, which both relate to you. Oh, I got Fallout 4 also. I haven't, because guess how much it costs in Canadian dollars at retail? Dumb amount. $80! Yeah. Oh, I saw a post 
somewhere about that. Like, uh, oh no, it was a Australian was complaining that they go on steam and the American cost is there and then they get excited. And when they click, then it converts to Australian. (laughs) They're like steam. Can you please just display different currencies on your page? Uh, Canadian steam does. Oh, we're lucky because our, yeah. Canadian steam says 79 99 for fallout four. It's awesome. Okay. Um, anyway, I got a toy what I want to talk about. Okay, that relates. To, I got. I got. Did the, you get a wrestling figure? I got the first of the six, the one six scale Dirty Deeds Birdie Mark Twos from Three oh. A. This is the one that comes with a Gatling gun, as well as a pistol and a machete and three heads. And uh, one of the heads, the one in the photo I sent you, you can kind of see it's the one that has been decapitated at the jaw rather than at the neck. So part of the jawline is missing. That's oh. kind of fun. Uh, so this thing is is about... <laughs> it's kind of fun. It's kind of fun. It's about thir- 13, 14 inches tall. Um, and, like, it's a friggin' return to form. Like, it's painted like old, you know, good 3A robots. Uh-huh. The weathering actually looks good and not like someone, like, peed on it. <laughs> uh, and the build quality of the first one, the Gatling gun one, like, it's it's really well built. All the joints are great. Like, you know, we'll see how they hold up over time. But like his Gatling gun is huge. And you know how 3A toys are with how they hold Gatling guns, which is really stupidly. Uh, yeah. He's able to he's been holding it up quite fine for like a couple weeks now. No sagging or anything. Uh, so I'm really impressed. And uh, I didn't know the six like the one six scale Birdie Mark twos have a toe joint as well as an ankle joint. Uh, and it's really solid. Like it's a really, really well built, solid figure. I'm very impressed with it. Um, some of the, the story going around about the number two that's coming my way, because uh, I bought number one and number two. Number two, apparently, some people have ones that are fine. Some people have ones that are not built as well as the first one. But this first one, it's like it's really good. Like after a long period of kind of snarking on just about everything 3A was putting out and kind of just sort of rolling my eyes and rubbing my hand over my face. Like, this is really well done. <laughs> um, Almost, almost makes me bummed out I skipped the third one because I didn't want to have three of these on order without having even handled one. Uh, and this one was delayed stupidly. This is my very first stupidly long 3A delay for me to experience myself. Um, But I'm really impressed with it. I, I really like it. I don't, I, I, I'm really happy with the idea of having two of them makes me want to track down one of the last year's uh like redux noms like uh somber de plume uh to have as like you know spooky looking gas mask man to team up with them um but yeah i'm really impressed with it it's like man this this is reminding me why i thought 3a stuff was so cool in the first place and it's neat to have a one six scale version too because i never had any of their stuff at six scale that wasn't like a drop cloth or something kind of small yeah all that i yeah, the only World War robot stuff I ever got at that scale was a drop cloth and a couple of squares. Yeah. Like, the birdie's not huge. Um, Like, you know, some of the other 1-6 scale stuff they've done, but it's oh. very impressive to look at. What well, I'd sometime would really like... To, I need to figure out what colorway I would prefer, but I'd like to sometime pick up a 1-6 scale Caesar, because the Caesar is still, I think, the best toy they've ever released. And I'd love to see, like, a a bigger version, see what that feels like. But, uh, yeah, I'm really happy with it. So, 
despite the delay, I'm I'm really happy this had a good ending. Uh, the only unfortunate thing is he's armed with a Gatling gun, and the Gatling gun is like the dumbest weapon toy-wise that they have ever produced because it's awkward to pose with. It doesn't get held very well. It means he has this gigantic barrel on his back. Um, I'm hoping that my two-pistol one is built better. If it isn't, I might just swap its backpack in on this one. So I have a more mobile toy. I can mm-hmm. give him two machetes. Uh, anyway, that's my 3A story for now. Cool. Uh, also, the, the stupid cherry on top, because I was like, all right, cool 3A robot. That 3A feels great now. Then I remembered the first Dirty Deeds 1-6 birdie. I bought that before this year's 3A happened. So this thing I, I paid full price for way back in like October of last year. Um, Or December, I can't remember what it was. Anyway, my other story is a TV show I watched. So I had some spare time and I was kicking around on Netflix and I watched a whole season of a TV show, Seth. Okay. Whole season. I watched, because I watched two specials so I could say I watched them, I figured I'd progress with it. I watched season eight of Doctor Who. Oh. I watched an actual full season of the first Peter Capaldi season because I watched a playthrough of Lego Dimensions and I liked his voice acting in it. So I thought, well, this will be how I start watching the show for real. Uh, so I watched the whole of season eight. I had a whole bunch of fun. I just watched it off and on. It was kind of like old timey Star Trek Next Generations. And like there was a lot of like there was a plot underneath the bunch, but it was really episodic, kind of just light sci fi affair. And I, I kind of enjoyed it. Went online. Apparently season eight is is despised by a lot of the, the big time fans. Uh, uh, I didn't hate it. I, that's, I that's really here. like Capaldi. I really like him, too. Like, that's why I watched the whole season. The dude I, was, was great. I don't care at all about Clara Osborne, though. I don't understand really what her character is supposed to be, but I kind of chalked her up as being like one of those next generation bridge officers. Well, her first season, it was interesting because she was the impossible girl. And how does she keep popping up at all these different points of history and then dying? And then... But she's alive here, but it's not exactly the same person, but she looks exactly the same, and her name is very similar. And as soon as they solve the mystery and explain exactly what her deal was, uh, then there was nothing interesting about her. Now she's just, like, the the cutesy, pixie-ish girl who is also like really smart and figures stuff out but she doesn't carry herself as like a very smart person and there's just like i get this disconnect on the character and i just don't find her interesting and i find her just not well presented yeah i i liked her being around to be yelled at by peter capaldi and then to yell at him so in terms of like an antagonistic friendship relationship, that's more or less what I felt she was serving for. Well, here's the problem with the current season. Uh, there's no yelling at each other. They get along super good. Um, the doctor's depressed when she's not around. Weird. And this season is kind of a bummer so far. There's some good episodes... But, like, this most recent episode was horrendously bad. 
I'm like, uh... not even fun bad. Like, man, I can't wait for this to be over bad. And man, I really hope this isn't a two parter. <laughs> I've uh, I've been I've been thinking about it because now that I've watched a season of it, I'm like, how can I still be irritating to talk to if you're an actual Doctor Who fan? So I thought about it and I was like, I have it. So my my idea is I am only going to ever watch Peter Capaldi Doctor Who episodes uh, and treat them as though that's where the show started as far as my own viewership. Also, because I read so many spoilers about the previous seasons just out of curiosity. Uh-huh. I don't think I can actually go back and watch them. Um. So it's been really fun because like weaknesses in the writing and stuff from the 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 long term depth and breadth of of the you know the mythos. Yeah, it's like you don't know any different. Yeah, they're all lost <laughs> to me because I just came in on season eight, so I'm just treating this as like, well, it's kind of like a kids show written for all ages, and it's sort of episodic, like Star Trek Next Generation, and that's the kind of fun I'm having with it because that's just how it hit me when I, I started watching there. I'm just gonna proceed along with that mindset and despite now kind of digging one of those series, I'm still probably going to be real irritating to deal with. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I'm not trashing on this season altogether. Just this most recent episode is particularly bad. Mm. I'm just, I'm just done with Clara. I'm ready for her to not be the companion anymore. And there's been a couple of characters who have been around during this season where I think, man, that'd be great if Clara just, stayed home and this person took her place like just swap this character in right now and that'd be rad oh darn it didn't happen <laughs> and then uh, like and then like there was and, and i'm not going to be very specific but there was a recent episode where they introduce a wrinkle involving clara that I got really excited about. I'm like, oh man, if this has been the case since last season, because it ties back to something that happened to the season you just watched. I'm like, Mm -hmm. if this is what the deal's been since last season, oh, this is actually cool and Claire's interesting again. And ah, no, actually it's only been the case for like the last two hours or whatever. So ah, it just happened. Darn it. It would have been way more interesting if this had been going on all season. I'm going to I'm going to throw out there if you haven't if this is a really weird specific thing. I'm going to spoil some stuff about se- season 8 of this show. Cuz I want to I want to share the one thing that I really liked and the one thing that I thought kind of sucked. Uh the thing I really liked is I think Peter Capaldi plays this like sort of like you know, freshly reborn complete alien in a way that I really enjoy. Like it was basically the way I would write or perform that kind of character. It reminded me a lot of some City of Heroes stuff I used to do back on the Virtue server. And uh, there's very specific little things where I was like, that's perfect. That's how I do it. Sweet. So he's basically why I'm watching the show. Um, and this is the more spoilery part. Uh, there was this little thread in that in the season I watched with this character called Danny Pink. And like, I felt like despite the fact that I was looking at the episode count and watching every episode, the way that his character was treated, I felt like I had somehow missed something really important, but he was just this dude who was kind of around and then occasionally would feature and then would disappear for a couple episodes. And then he did this big thing where he gets hit by a car and he's died and he's dead. And I was like, okay, but then <laughs> it was like this huge drama. And I was like, Oh, so I was supposed to care about that. Um, okay. <laughs> 
His whole thing, that that character, I liked the I thought the actor was fine, but like that character felt like some kind of weird writer pet project that didn't actually get written entirely into the show. Yeah, I I liked the interaction between Danny and the doctor. Um and I wish there was there was more of it. Like I wish there was like a good season or half season of Danny coming along on adventures because I I really like the interaction because the doctor didn't like Danny because he was kind of taking Claire away from him. And also he's a soldier and the doctor's got beef. Then Danny isn't just going along with the doctor. He's calling the doctor out on everything he does that he doesn't like. Like he's challenging the doctor He's not just, like, blown away by him like virtually every other character seems to be all the time. And I thought that was, like, a, a an interesting, fresh dynamic. And I wanted Danny to be around more. And they just didn't. Yeah, and I just felt like he was so perpetually there just enough to sometimes feel like this was all sort of wasting my time in the context of a single episode. Where I'm like, well, can we... Like, is this going to go somewhere or not? And then by the end, he's like, oh, he's a cyborg zombie. And then he, he commit then he, his heart's been turned off and he's lost his emotions. But then he gets them back and then he blows himself up. And I was like, all right, I guess that's over. Well, it like and what it did with the Clara character, like, is Clara going to keep lying to this poor guy? Like, he seems like a really nice guy and Clara's jerking him around, like keeping the secret. Or is Clara going to settle down and make a life with Danny and leave the doctor? And it just, I don't know. It just didn't play for me. Yeah, and then the season ends in this, on this really cool thing where the two main characters lie to each other and go their separate ways. But on Netflix, they considered this Christmas episode to be the actual final episode. So I watched that with Santa Claus. And I was like, this feels like you're actively throwing out all the stuff that you had <laughs> delivered to me as character growth just before this this is really weird, but I like Nick Frost, so I don't really mind. Uh, yeah, yeah and, it's interesting. <laughs> yeah, and I think there's been one reference to Danny in this whole season. And Claire's just sort of bopping through her life like everything's cool. And that wasn't a traumatic thing that happened in her recent past. And I just I just can't stand Clara, is the thing. And there, there's another, like, new technology thing introduced this season i don't know if you've heard or want to hear but it's kind of dopey <laughs> is it the sunglasses thing i saw people tweeting about the sonic sunglasses it's weird so you know the sonic screwdriver yeah it's the thing he, he goes blip and then all the nerds want to buy one yeah they're sunglasses now all right he doesn't have a sonic screwdriver he has sunglasses is there a reason given or does it just sort of Yes. It's happening. I mean, yeah, but it's not great. So here's what I'm going to say. I think they wanted to make rock and roll doctor. <laughs> and that meant putting sunglasses on him. And there's scenes in this season where the doctor's just sort of alone in the TARDIS playing a guitar. All right. And like doing rock riffs. And like, that's cool. Like, I like that aspect of the Capaldi doctor. I just think the Sonic sunglasses are dumb. 
the the way I'm approaching this to close it up is I for all its problems, I have a lot of fun watching the first season of Star Trek The Next Generation. And not necessarily just that first season, but watching that se- that season of Doctor Who reminded me a lot about enjoying watching Next Generation. I could just kind of bop through it and it was like low stakes stuff for me. Uh, so even even at its worst, I feel like I can pull some like, OK, this is some like, you know, potato chip sci fi I'll check out. I know there are people highly dedicated to this franchise who probably don't like the idea of referring to it as potato chip sci-fi, but that's where I've been enjoying how I decided to go come into it in this really weird sideways way where I've skipped over what most people call all the good stuff, but I like this actor more, so I'm just going to watch his. Yeah, and this season hasn't been all bad. I love the opening two-parter. Like, I saw some people griping about about it some, but I thought it was great. Like, this one reveal in the very beginning of the episode, like, I had my suspicions. I'm like, this is all reminding me of something from episodes of the Fourth Doctor. Like, there was some Fourth Doctor stuff I saw not very long ago. I'm like, you know, this is reminding me of something. This is reminding me of something. And then when that's what it turned out to be, I was like, hell yeah, this is awesome. (laughs) And then I was all in. And then... That the two-parter that, you know, harkens back to something that happened in this season you've just watched, I thought was pretty good. Cool. Um, but, yeah, this just this most recent episode was like everything that they could be doing better. Just glaring highlight. <laughs> and just, it's so, the monster is so dumb. It's so dumb. And the ending is like, wait, what? I don't even... like. Th- there's a point where even the doctor's like, none of this makes sense. <laughs> and it's like, I'm with you, man. Like, I don't... <laughs> I, they lost me here. And it's... And the, the story is just so thin and by the numbers in so many ways that it's like they tried to juice the episode up by not having any sort of traditional camera setups. Everything is seen from, like, security cameras or, like, uh, helmet cams on soldiers. I thought you were going to tell me it was all canted angles like Battlefield Earth. No, it, it's it's kind of found footage Weird. Which is at least something different, but it just felt like they were trying to hide the weaknesses of this episode's script. And then it turned out to actually have something to do with the monster, like why we were getting... these camera shots and then it still didn't make any sense and I don't know if this is going to come back around in a future episode and then it'll be like oh that's why we had to suffer through that garbage episode (laughs) or what but man it's Eh. uh, I just hit a point where I was the monster is so ugh I was at the perfect stage where I was like, I need to watch something that's kind of idle. This is on Netflix. It's like the structure of that show. The one I watched was like, it was perfect. Turn this on because I need to just sit down and watch a thing. It's like on the same tier. And I say this with affection. It's on the same tier as Murdoch Mysteries for me of the thing I can just sort of flip on. And and when there's a new season, just kind of pop it on and enjoy it. Eat some popcorn. Work on something. Yeah. Good times. 
Well, in that season eight, there was like the one schoolgirl that was in a couple episodes. Yeah. What's her um, name? I forgot. I would have liked to have seen her as a new companion over Clara. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a. Uh, I like not having the pre-Capaldi baggage on the Clara character because it kind of is both making her more tolerable, but also highlighting all the weaknesses because I just don't regard her really as much of anything. She's so just there. Like she brings very little, I find (laughs) to anything that's going on other than being a character who is there. Like she feels like the character that I'm supposed to imagine I am. And that's like about it. Like she feels like the audience insertion character, but there's not much behind it. Well, traditionally, that's sort of what the companion is for, is to ask the questions the audience might have. Like, what's going on? And then that prompts the doctor to explain everything. Yeah. Then there was a point where that started changing and the companion started becoming more of their own character. Like, a a lot of people, like, point to Sarah Jane as, like, the first companion that wasn't just the the one that got in trouble and needed to be rescued when they weren't asking so what does that mean um then you get to like donna noble which people love donna noble was a great companion because she was just like this brassy broad who wasn't impressed by so much of what was happening (laughs) And was a little bit, like, crude. Um, Then I really liked um, Amy Pond and Rory together. Like, I didn't care for Amy Pond when it was just the Doctor and Amy. But when Rory was around, too, I really liked that combination. And just, then you get the Clara, and she's just nothing right now. She's just, like, this cute girl that is clever every now and then when it, when she really needs to be, when someone really needs to think of something, then Clara's got it. But she doesn't come off as that person the rest of the time. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's an interesting thing to look at also. Cause I, I like, I like the, the comedy stuff Mark Gaddis did. And I know he's been way into working on this show for years and, mm-hmm. uh, the episodes that he did, I thought, stuck out in a way that I really enjoyed uh, more so than the other ones I watched. So what, are, what are one of those? I'm like not... the Robin Hood one. Okay. I dug that Robin Hood episode. That was some silly holodeck kind of stuff. Uh-huh. So I was I was having a good time with that. But now, uh, Do you watch Game of Thrones? I don't I, remember I, if I it's only saw the, I only saw the first season. Okay. Well, you know Arya Stark. Yeah. She's in episodes. Oh, yeah, I saw pictures of that. Yeah. The actress, not the character. Should be just the character. This is how she gets rescued from from that world. And she would be a more interesting companion than Clara. Yeah. But that's that's my what I got this week. I just wanted that was my special surprise for Seth. Oh, I, I, I watched some Doctor Who because you're the only other podcaster I think I know who watches any of that. And he waited for a season that everyone's kind of cold on. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that's my favorite part. This dove in. Because that's what happened when I watched those two specials. 
is I came out of it going like, well, that was kind of silly, but fun. And I went to read the, you know, the hardcore fan discussions and people were just mad about stuff I had very little context for. And I was like, I like having no context on this because apparently it means I'm in, I'm just a, having more fun with it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Doctor Who has a long history of like goofy rubber monsters. But yeah. man, the monsters in this most recent episode were fuck. Also, I I oh, proved I just... proved my theory. So I like Tokusatsu stuff, which is based a whole lot on kind of rubber monster things. And every time there was a real like kind of up in your face, I'm wearing a latex mask kind of deal. I was like, ah, Toku. Or like when all the Cybermen start marching around. I was like, those suit actors are okay, but there's one in the back who's not quite pulling his weight. <laughs> Uh, that bit was fun. I like Cyberman. Yeah, I was all, I was like, when what's his name goes and like blows himself up. I was kind of like, dude, you're, he's like, kill me. I was like, you're a friggin', you have laser guns in your wrists. Like, and you're not brainwashed, so you can still think. Like, just friggin' turn into, turn into like a cyborg superhero guy. Like, that's what I would do. I could shoot rockets out of my shoulders. So now, uh, man, the Zargons, that's what they're called, right? I knew you should ask. No, there was a couple episodes <laughs> you just saw with them. The the big suction cup monsters that that can change shape. Oh yeah, yeah, I think. The name sounds familiar. Yeah. What did you think of those guys? It was alright. Were they rubber monster enough for you? I liked the things in the Christmas episode, the dream nightmare crabs. Yeah. Like the head crab things, those were those were pretty cool. And what's his name? In the first episode, the two-parter, the short guy who was they tried writing to be really funny, and they kind of hit it sometimes. Oh, the little baldy guy that yeah. was always trying to kill everything? That was that was some proper, like, British rubber latex, like, red dwarf kind of stuff. Yeah, that character is weird. Um, I loved I mean, having, he's, he's I loved having no context on him. That was so good. I was just like... So I was watching him and, like, Lizard Lady, and I was like... I don't know what the hell is going on, but it's making this better because I don't really want to ask questions. Yeah. Well, just rough thumbnail. Like, his race are, like, one of the most dangerous armies in the galaxy or the universe or whatever. They're, like, the ultimate soldiers in a way, even though, like, they're these little stumpy potato-looking men. Um, so th- their whole existence is based on warfare. And fighting. And the doctor saved this guy's life. And to pay the debt for being saved, the doctor kind of told him he has to become a nurse or something like to that effect. So it's sort of a punishment that he has to help people for the rest of his life. And it's weird. But I don't... The character's funny. But... I think it's kind of harmed that whole race in a way. Like if they ever use those guys again, they're it's like, Oh, there's the funny guys. It's like, no, they're supposed to be the scary guys. <laughs> Come on. They'll always be the funny guy to me. There's a little Victorian like suit jacket. There's like rubber potato head. And like he had gone to Scotland to like fight people in bars or something. Right. Wasn't that where they pick up a pickup with him? No, no, he's no, just no. like in a bar fighting a dude. He was, and then like, they call him. 
when I when I started watching it, he was like straight up just like the 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 man Friday like gopher for dinosaur lady. Yeah, maybe it was the previous season. I just remember there was an episode where it was like, what happened to what's his face? And oh, he went to Scotland, and then it cuts to him in a pub, and just picking a fight with this giant dude with a red beard and then they're just pounding the crap out of each other and then you find out that's what he does for fun <laughs> he's like a Klingon a goofy ass Klingon <laughs> I felt like it was like what if the Ferengi like in their debut episode what if that's like what they did later after like seasons of Deep Space Nine then they'd have an episode oh, yeah. where they're just like in the debut episode that first episode with Ferengi they're so different and one of them is straight up Quark yeah, it's the same guy. It's hopping around like a monkey. Yeah, it's so because like yeah, in that first appearance of the Frankie, they're they're like little space barbarians. Yeah, <laughs> they're all twitchy, <laughs> like, yeah. walking around like chimpanzees and going, <laughs> and it totally makes no sense. Yeah, and I then read- just a few years later, they're. Entire society has become like this weird capitalist nightmare. I read on Wikipedia that, like, as far as I, as, as far as it's laid out, like that episode just never happened. And the guy who played Quark said, like, his performance as Quark was like this weird eternal penance for being in that episode, <laughs> trying to make it up to people. I was wanted to say Wikipedia was great when I was watching that season of Doctor Who because, like, if, if I'd go check an episode page after I watched it, and there were all these continuity bullet points that filled in gaps for me. Uh-huh. So I don't even need to go watch the old stuff. I have Wikipedia fills in the gap so I can just watch all the cool new stuff. So are you going to try to get current with this season or just wait until it lands on Netflix? I'll just wait for Netflix. Like I had once I finished that Christmas episode, I was like, I have had my fill. I can wait for a while. Do you have any idea who Davros is? Yeah, he's a uh, he's a uh, Dalek man. Back in the late aughts, mid mid to late aughts, I read a whole ton of this stuff on Wikipedia when I was working at EAO and not having anything to do. Uh huh. Okay. I got I got context. I know I know Daleks are little squidly things inside the trash cans. Yes. They I got are. I got context. I know who Missy is supposed to be. So I'm, I'm on top of it. Anyway, she's supposed to be, um, to get us ready for a female doctor. So I heard. Um. Anyway, that's all that I got this week. So that's all for this episode of WTFTFW. Thank you for tuning in, and we're going to be back next week with some more. Uh, hopefully, the editing grind will have caught back up, had a little bit of a snag. Um, and by the time you're hearing this, that snag is probably already dealt with. So that means that now I have to deal with that snag because it's not dealt with here in the present or the past as it is to you, you future people. Um, well, Seth, thanks for joining me. Oh, thanks for having me. And uh, I'll talk to you later. Yay, because my throat is just about to the end of my ability to not cough uncontrollably all the time. I was going to throw in some weird, like, not very funny, trying to be funny quip about getting you to read something long, but I can't do it. So, bye bye. Bye bye.
what the f*** it means, but you got some badass perpetrators that are here to stay.